Live from Ceridian Insights, we're talking with top industry executives and changemakers. Be inspired, connect, and learn. Here are your hosts, William Tinkup and Mark Pfeffer. Alrighty, Mark, here we go. What's going on? Now we're talking to Ceridian uh, executives, so we have to actually, you know, we have to kind of game up now. <laughs> we right? do, we do. When we're but talking to just vendor partners, we could, you know, we could kind of slop our way through it, but we got to be serious now. But, you know, the way this show has been going, I have to believe that the Ceridian folks are a little tired, so that might work ah, in our favor. Ah, <laughs> see? I like what you're thinking. I like what you're thinking. We can, these are softballs. That's right. Uh, okay, so no hard questions? <laughs> no, no hard then? questions. I'm going I'm to snooze the whole thing. Good. It's going to be Good. great. See? It's going to be very inspirational. So uh, we are here uh, with Susan, who is the CHRO of Ceridian. So if you can kind of map that back, that's a, an HR leader of an HR tech company. That is correct. So let's just unpack that complexity. Um, Susan, would you do us a favor and kind of tell us a little bit about yourself? Yep. So, uh, you are correct, my name is Susan Toyama, uh, and I've been with Ceridian oh, three years now. Uh, I started my career out in Asia, predominantly in Tokyo and in Hong Kong, and oh, cool. I progressed around the world, and here I am, uh, in the best job ever, being the HR leader of an H- HR technology mm-hmm. company, uh, and, uh, and here at Insights in Las Vegas. I love it. What difference between HR in Japan uh, to here? Uh, it's, it's fascinating, and you know, it's interesting, even to think about how HR has changed. So I started, you know, maybe 30 years ago back in HR. I was with the Disney organization. And um, I think it's a lot about just making sure. I think individuals are individuals are individuals. There's a difference in labor law, but people are people are people. And so I would say predominantly the same. Right. Different HR labor laws. That's about it. Right. Yeah. You were a crew member. I was I was a cast, cast member. member. Yeah. I knew it was a different name. Yeah. I knew it was a different name. Yeah, that's right. A cast member. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I was. I've been corrected occasionally on Disney cruises. You know, and I've said something about employees. Then cast member. You be very careful. Be very careful. Be very careful with this. <laughs> <laughs> so, what have you gotten so far so far out of insights? We still got a lot of ways to go, but what's been uh, something that's been that stuck out in your mind? Well, it's been, look, it's been wonderful to to be here, to meet with the customers, to meet with the prospective clients. It's just been amazing. Interestingly, I am um, I introduced a best-selling author yesterday, David Horsiger, who does who actually wrote a book called The Trust Edge, and it's amazing discussion around trust and really the underpinning of trust within the organization and how that actually helps fuel retention and helps fuel uh, empathy and helps fuel everything. So it's been some really good conversations, and this afternoon we're going to have a conversation with uh, Venus Williams, which is going to be amazing. So. Well, the what's interesting about trust is it's two-way street, right? Absolutely. And in breaking that trust, it also, the dominoes fall the other way. Absolutely. And it's interesting, you know, there was a conversation in the past about loyalty to a company, and Mm -hmm. I've always talked about, you can't use the word loyalty anymore, it's commitment, because commitment is a two-way street. Right. Loyalty is something completely Mm -hmm. different. Yeah. And right now, it's a lot, you know, as you saw from, I think you might have read the Pulse of Talent report. Yeah. Um, and how the world has changed in the last, you know, since the pandemic in the last couple of years. You know, employees are now more than ever in the driver's seat. And employees are saying, look, we want more choice. We want more flexibility. We want more empowerment. And and employers have to listen. You know, I don't know if the sentiment has necessarily changed. I think the platform for employees has just risen up and has gotten larger. And employers are saying, yeah, you're right. I actually have to right. listen more and take some action based on it because it is a two-way street, exactly to your point. Yeah. Well, well that leads me to actually some 
my question, which in the report, um, what takeaways do you think there are for HR executives? Uh, so there are two big pieces of the report, but I would say I would cover it all by saying no longer is it a one-size-fits-all. No longer is it this is the culture in the company and everyone must follow this one culture. Everyone must follow this one career path. Everyone must follow this same way of working. We have to start to integrate more around sort of almost customization, understanding the uniqueness of each employee. Um, the, the report shows a couple things. One, you know, what we might have, so, you know, I've been thinking a lot about success and what was the, what's the definition of success? So, five, 10, 30 years ago when I joined, you know, when I, either when I joined Ceridian or I started in the workforce, the definition of success might have been, I want to be a senior executive, I want that corner office, I want to just move up that career ladder in human resources or in, in whichever function you're in. The definition of success, I think, has now changed. And it's changed based on the individual, it's changed based on the fact that employees are saying, hey, I don't necessarily want to just move up the ladder. I may want to have different experiences. I want to work on different cool new projects. I want to have a different skill set. I want to move around the company and not necessarily just like, directly up in the company. And so it's the career pathing. I think we've got to make sure that we have that flexibility in that career pathing. Because we're seeing that the, the Pulse of Talent report showed us 45% of the employees surveyed around the world said the company doesn't understand me. They don't understand what I want. They don't understand my needs. Less than 50% said that they were committed to the company, but that if the company started to understand, hey, I need a new way of thinking around my career and my career aspirations, that commitment jumps from less than 50 to about 85%. Because we were, we were so rigid in our way of thinking, what does success mean? It means moving up from director to senior director to vice president to senior, senior vice president. So that flexibility is, is absolutely coming into play. And the second piece of it is the flexibility around how I work, when I work, where I work. And people are wanting that, whatever that balance is in your life, they want it more and more and more now. I want to make sure that I have time for the other things in my life that are not work but I want to make sure that I'm engaged and I'm doing some cool new stuff and I've got some people thinking about my, my, my career as well um, when I'm working. So I've got two questions. One is, yeah. um, when you first looked at the first draft of the report, right, landed on your desk or however it landed, uh, that's kind of an old way of saying, right? It is. Yeah. yeah. Nobody has desks. When it was, you should say when it was emailed. That's right. There's no, there was no like airdrop boom on my. <laughs> or eats dropped it off. It went into your basket. Remember when we had baskets on our desks? Right. Was it in went into your basket? Yeah, was it in that basket? Okay. Anyway. All right. We just dated ourselves. Anyhow, when you first reviewed the first draft of the of the report, was there anything that really? ran counter to what you were thinking like you're kind of already kind of like okay yeah i understand that that i get this yes this make this tracks with my experience tracks with what i hear from customers etc was there anything that kind of kind of took you off guard a little yeah, bit yeah that's a very good question because a lot of it what a lot of what is in the report i think validates what what you know hr right. leaders are, are thinking about the one thing that i am really thinking about is there were uh, two questions asked. Um, how, what percentage of people wanted to become senior leaders and what percentage of people wanted to become people leaders? And it is very, very low. So only 17% said they wanted to become senior leaders in an organization and only 14, 15% said they wanted to become people leaders in an organization. So why is that? Wow. Why is that? Just think about it. Traditionally, everyone 
I got to be a people leader. Right. I become a senior executive. Right. I get the corner office. Right. It go. It tracks with the. Okay, that's not the career path I want. It also tracks with the fact that I think generally there is a lot of, for, for all the reasons we know through the pandemic, there's a lot of feeling of burnout in the organization. It is higher with leaders than it is with people who are not people leaders. So what are we doing? How are we equipping people leaders to be good people leaders? Is this rush for talent putting people in positions of leadership that they're not necessarily skilled at that moment for yet? And are they then feeling the excessive burnout because of that? So how do we start to make sure that we're looking at people and saying, you actually have a wonderful skill or we can help you with your skill to become a people leader, to actually start to, to make sure that people want to aspire to become leaders of the organization. That 14%, 17%, that actually was, was very revealing. It's something I really need to sort of think about, especially for our organization. I mean, this was, this was you know, 8,000 people in eight different countries around the world that, that uh, not Ceridian employees, but just generally employees, but it, I'm sure whatever is outside is also inside. So. so what's that mean for the company that you've only got 14% and 17%? Pretty low numbers, I think, you, as you said. Yeah. So what, what's the impact on the business? Well, yeah, it, it would, and, that, and that is because need to make sure that you've got the right leaders in place. You need to make sure that those leaders have the skills to actually lead people. What does it mean is that you, you, you have to start to equip them. You have to start to do some more training. You have to start to do some really good assessments around who actually have the skills to be leaders. Who wants that leadership track? I think in the past, you know, a lot of companies would just say, okay, you can do X very well, and now we've got 10 people who are doing X, and therefore you're going to manage these 10 people doing X. <laughs> And actually, they're really good at doing X, but they didn't have the skill set to actually manage the people doing X, to actually motivate, to make, to, to help them, to lead, and to empower them to do things. And in this way, this world is changing with the fact that everyone is now, the majority of folks are either hybrid or they're virtual. There's, a, there's an additional complexity to that. So how do you make sure that you are equipping your leaders to, 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 to be ready for that and to really help to push the business forward. Because without leaders, it's very difficult to push the business forward. You need good leaders to be, here's the clarity of the communication, here's the commitment we need to make, here's here's how I'm going to help you with your with your career. So it's, it's, it's interesting. It's really interesting because it's kind of risk and reward, right? Before, you would look at the risk and reward and say, okay, I work hard, I'll send, and the reward will be there. And I think kind of people or evaluating, probably everyone who went through the pandemic has kind of reevaluated life on some level, and maybe that risk-reward relationship is like, eh, you know, I don't really want to be at that level if it takes all of this uh, away from me. Um, Wanted to ask you about skills and skills training in particular as it relates to this topic. Like, is it a perception of I don't want to do that job, or is it a perception of the company's not investing in me to have the skills, competencies, et cetera, to then be successful in that job? Yeah, I mean, it is a little bit of both, I am sure. So, you know, if you look at this, the pulse of talent that we did, again, only 45% thought the company really understands my career aspirations. The company really doesn't, isn't doing you know, as much as they should be to, to help me with my career aspirations. Which means not only just the, the, you know, this, the, um, the subject matter expert skills, but also those leadership skills. I think there's been an assumption in the past that anyone can be a leader. 
you've been doing something for a certain amount of time, you know, you clearly know everyone in the organization, you're highly connected, you will be a great leader, thank you very much. And I think what we're finding now is the world is becoming that much more complex. You know, talking to people through Zoom as opposed to one-on-one, -on -one like in-person conversations, making sure that, understanding what it's like to be a global leader in an organization. It's so much more complex, and you need to be a subject matter expert in leading people. In the past, there was an assumption that that was the easy part. That's right. You just had to be a good accountant. You had to be a good accountant. <laughs> and then, you know what, you can lead a bunch of other good accountants, it'll be fine. Yeah. And we're seeing that if em employees are saying, my leaders aren't listening to me, my right. leaders don't, and, and that means that the leaders don't have that, that, that additional help and additional support in terms of training and learning and really the ability to listen. And that's something that the company needs to start to offer more and more and more and more is to focus on that subject matter expert of being a leader in the organization as well as just being a good, to your point, accountant. Right. You know, it, 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 HR has been really dynamic the last few years. I mean, suddenly we've got remote and hybrid employees. We've got the technology, which has been advancing. You've got contingent workforce becoming more of a thing. Yeah. Um, do you think that HR people in general, especially at the larger companies, are they ready to deal with all this? Are they dealing with it well? Hmm. Yeah, I was asked a question about a month ago. Who is doing it well right now? So in the past, you know, you could name a number of great companies. Wow, they have fantastic HR people practices, fantastic. I would say we are all figuring it out. Right. Everyone is figuring out. You know, a lot of what's in the report validates what we've been hearing and seeing. But we are all trying to sort of say, all right, we know we need to give more options. We know we need to give more flexibility. What works in this company might not work in this company. Let's try some things out. Let's throw things, some things against the wall and see what sticks and see what doesn't stick. So... Are we able, and it's always evolving. I think the other thing that we've got to remember is in the past, you know, you had some practices and they would stay the same practices for years and years and years and years. We must always be evolving. We must always be listening. We, almost, we always have to learn how to pivot very quickly. So are we dealing with it perfectly? I don't know if anyone is right now because we're all still just going through it. The good HR teams know that. They know it's always evolving. They know they always have to listen. They know they have to pivot and try new things. And they understand that we're not a one-size-fits-all. We're no longer this one big container ship all going in the same direction. We're almost more like a sort of flotilla of ships rowing in the same direction, but all slightly different in their own ways. That is what's going to make things more successful. And I think the HR teams and the HR functions that understand that and your senior leadership teams who understand that, those are the ones who will be very successful going forward. They'll be the leading edge of, of the sort of this new evolution of HR and HR practices and people, people practices. It's funny because uh, at, the, at the beginning of the pandemic, what I got from a lot of uh, your peers was uh, a concept of radical flexibility. Yeah. Where before, certain things were just, you know, okay, yeah, this is how we do things. And all of a sudden, at least in the first six months of the pandemic, everything was up for sale. Yeah. Everything was up for discussion. And I thought that was kind of a, it was remarkable because HR stepped up in a way that I'd never seen and probably the organizations had never seen. Yeah. Uh, but towards the end of 20, disproportionately people, you know, burned out. You know, it's like there was so much that was sucked out of them um, that leads me to... It's kind of a two-pronged question. You can answer either one of them. Uh, one is, what's the hardest part of your job? 
A or B. Uh, and the other is what keeps you up at night. Uh, <laughs> that's the hardest part of my job. <laughs> Trying not to stay up at night is the hardest part of my job. <laughs> um, I don't know what would be the hardest part. I think one of the most, the most motivational parts of my job, I'll spin it a little bit, is exactly to your point, you know, whether it's sort of radical flexibility, because it's interesting. At the start of the pandemic, everyone was like, oh my goodness, we've got to be... A- and then you could see people trying to like default back. Right. Yeah, it's time to get back to the office. Put on yeah. your ties. And, and, and yeah. I think employees were like, I don't think so. Like, no. we've, like the, the question of whether we're productive or not has been answered because we've been at home for two years and either we've sunk or we've, we've succeeded. Right. I think for me what's really exciting going forward is this fact that there is, first of all, I think there's a much greater understanding that, that human resources is not just about let's make sure that you get paid and you get sign up for your benefits, that actually we can really help and move toward move forward that people agenda. We can make sure that we've got people engaged and committed. And that ability to be to be uh, creative, that's the really cool thing. It's a scary thing because sometimes you'll get it wrong. But if you tell your employees, look, we're gonna try some stuff, some of the stuff may not work. So just bear with us. We'll listen to you. We'll try some stuff. It may work. It may not work. If it works, fantastic. We'll keep it. That ability to be much more creative in a human resources landscape, that's the cool thing that either keeps you up at night because you're interested in it or keeps you up at night because you're like, woohoo, I hope that works because, you know, this is what we're doing. I think that's what employees want. Again, getting back to the Pulse of Talent report, if, if, we're not, if we don't understand or if they don't feel like we understand them, in some, some regards... If we're not trying new things, how are we ever going to understand them? Yeah. Right? Yeah. So yeah. there's going to be some experimentation, yeah. which uh, I used to tell people on the marketing side, especially with CEOs, I'd say, listen, you need to put, go to a medical uh, supply company, get lab coats for your marketers, mm-hmm. put their names on them, and then let them just try stuff. Yeah. And, and I've kind of came over to HR in much the same way. It's like, just you're going to have to try things, and it, you can't be afraid to fail. Yeah. And the, the concept of trust, which we talked about yesterday, yep. is the most important thing. So there must be this trust both ways. The, you know, the managers must trust that their employees are doing what they need to do in the times that they need to do it, getting it done. You know, no longer are we working Monday to Friday, 9 to 5. We're working to what is your deliverable? What is your goal? You know, what is that quota that you need to meet? You've got to go to your, you know, go take your dog for a walk or go to your kid's soccer game. That is okay. But it's, it's as we go forward, it's trying to be, as you know, making sure we've got that trust to say, we're going to try a bunch of stuff. Some of it may work, some of it may not work. But trust that we, we're listening to you. Trust that we, we're trying to do our best for you. Try, but trust that we're weathering through all this together. Um, and just being very clear in that communication, I think, is, is also really important. So it's a fascinating time to be in HR. It's probably one of the most exciting and fascinating times. And, you know... Slightly terrifying. terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> you were you were you were you're right. You're nibbling around the edges. I'm like, just, exactly. just terrifying. Like, thank goodness this is a <laughs> podcast. You can't see my face. No, no. no. <laughs> it's 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 the it's the two sides of the coin, right? Yeah. It's yeah. satisfying and at the it's exhilarating yeah. and at the same time terrifying. That's right. Which is great. Did you have something else? Yeah, I did. Just one thing: the when you're talking about executives and leaders. Yeah. I saw a report not terribly long ago that said product productivity has increased since people went home. Yes. But most executives want people to come back from the yes. office. What's up with that? 
<laughs> and we have five hours to discuss. It, yeah, so. we, exactly. And go. It's a very lengthy podcast. Um, it's a Joe Rogan experience, ladies and gentlemen. And your road trip is nine hours, and it's one single podcast. Yeah, yeah. Um, we actually did, interestingly, so we did a, we're doing a compressed work week pilot in a number of different areas in our company, and we did some, we, clearly we, we captured some data, and the data showed exactly that. Productivity went up, sick leave, for example, went down, engagement went up, absolutely. I think that there are a lot of senior executives who have been brought up in a company in an era where you sat 10 feet from your employees and you saw them and you engaged them and that's how I know how to do it, that's how I, I, I talk to them, that's how I give them direction, I see that they're working and that's, that was almost like the default. This is, what was, this is what was successful in the past. We need to go back and do it again because this will be successful again. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, you saw a lot of companies that said, well, this has been fantastic, please let's all go back to the office and employees, employees were like, Man, I don't think so. I don't, I'm not up for that hour and a half commute any longer. I think it's that employees have moved to this new evolving world of work. I think some senior executives are still thinking, wait a minute, it was very successful when you all came to the office at nine o'clock in the morning and it should remain successful and you need to come back at nine o'clock in the morning, but we have all moved on from that. And I think it's just trying to make sure that, that senior executives and executives understand that's moved. And again, the experiment and the, 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 the understanding of the fact that in the last week you have been productive. There hasn't been, you know, either you failed or you didn't fail. And if you didn't fail, then it was okay. The experiment of being at home was okay. So, so I, I, Susan, it's not for you, but okay. I blame men for this okay. because uh, most of what the return to office is about is World War II and uh, before that uh, mass production of things. And I had to see the person in order to trust that they were working mm -hmm. and the... Uh, most of the male leaders want that kind of command and control environment. And so I, I blame men, actually, for this. If, if women were actually running the <laughs> companies, well, I was we say, wouldn't have these problems. I, I blame cats. <laughs> well, and let's be clear, our, our, our co-CEO is a female, so... There we go. Lee Turner, so there you go. There we go. <laughs> there this is how go. it happens. Yeah. Susan, this has been absolutely wonderful. We've re referenced the uh, Pulse of Talent report. Y'all did a wonderful study. It's great. I want everyone to consume it because there's just great nuggets in there. We've just talked about a couple, but there's wonderful things in there. So thank you so much for your time. It's been a lot of fun. Thank you so much. Thank, thank you. you. Absolutely. Right. And thanks for everyone else for listening. Thank you for listening. Find out more at www.ceridian.com forward slash insights.